Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Song Lines and Tan Lines podcast, a place to take a momentary break from your day-to-day routine. Those returning, thank you. The support is greatly appreciated. Those new to this podcast, welcome. And if you like what you hear and are not a subscriber, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's pull up the anchor and set so. Before I dive into the excellent Beatles documentary, now streaming on Disney Plus, called Get Back, I thought I would find a way to tie Jimmy into the Beatles. And I think I found a way. Here are a list of songs he has covered by them in concert over the years. I had no idea Jimmy had covered this many Beatles songs. And according to Setlist FM, or Get On My Concert Stats, he has covered the Beatles a grand total of 176 times. Amazing. That lands their covers at number 10 in concert plays. Van Morrison is number one, of course, but that's because of Brown Eyed Girl. Anyway, here are the names of the songs he has covered in concert. Polythene Pam, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, The End, Mean Mr. Mustard, Yellow Submarine, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Rocky Raccoon, Here Comes the Sun, Eleanor Rigby, Hey Jude, In My Life, Birthday, Obladi, Oblada, When I'm 64, Wonderful Christmas Time, a Paul McCartney cover, and he did War Is Over, Happy Christmas, a John Lennon cover. I know the last two songs are sort of cheats, but those guys were members of the Beatles, so I think it counts. That's a lot, right? Surprise me, and there are probably a few more lurking about that haven't been documented. It might be time for Jimmy to do a Beatles album of covers. Seems like he's a fan. If you have to do a cover, might as well make it a song from one of the greatest, if not the greatest, rock and roll band of all time. Do you know of other Beatles songs Jimmy's covered? Have you seen any of them live? Let me know. I would love to hear your answers. And one more thing before moving to the Get Back documentary. Paul McCartney gave Jimmy this bit of advice, and I thought I would share it with you. It's from an article on ultimateclassicrock.com. The title of that article is How Paul McCartney Helped Jimmy Buffett Make His New Album. And that new album would be Life on the Flip Side. Here's a snippet from that article. Buffett explained that he and the former Beatle became friends from knowing each other in St. Bart's. And our wives are friends. You get Paul McCartney talking to you about what you ought to do on an album, and you listen. We'd play a show together and hung out, and I played him some stuff, and he gave me some feedback. He said, let it breathe a little more. Just kind of let it go along and make it light. It was good feedback. And then you got outside and go, that's Paul McCartney. You can't get over that. The advice is cool enough. Maybe I should think that way when I write. But what's really cool, the one thing I pulled from that statement, the very idea of Paul McCartney and Jimmy Buffett sharing a stage. Absolutely wow. 
Talk about classic rock history. I would love to have been at that show. I bet it was fantastic. Moving on, let's now dive into this massive documentary called Get Back. And folks, it is massive. It's a behemoth. It took multiple days for me to get through it. Part one comes in at a time of two hours and 36 minutes. Part two has a runtime of two hours and 53 minutes. And part three is the shortest at two hours and 18 minutes. Now, you see why it is tough to just sit down and binge watch. And even if I had the extra time to binge watch it, I'm not sure I could have. Especially episode two. That one to me felt the most disjointed and kind of uneventful. It was still cool watching the boys put songs together, but it felt long at times. That could have been because of the runtime, but I don't think it was. Part one had you feeling giddy because you are watching the Beatles put songs together. You are seeing this iconic band in action, all four of them alive and back together, and that high lasted throughout that episode, which closed with a big cliffhanger. I don't want to spoil it here. You who know the Beatles may already know it, but I had no idea this moment occurred in such an easy, breezy way. Part two had the band coming back from this big moment, becoming one again, and now starting to put the songs into more cohesion. But there wasn't a big payoff in that episode. None of the songs really came together in episode two, so you were kind of left wanting by the time it ended. Then episode three started, and episode three was amazing. It's the best episode of the three for me personally, and you could almost just watch it and be okay. You might be a bit lost, but I think you'd be okay just with this one episode, especially if you are just a casual Beatles fan, which I am. But I will say after the credits rolled, I started to miss this documentary. And I hate it that it was done. I really did enjoy watching it, and I can easily recommend it to you who listen to me on a week-to-week basis. Would I watch it again? Eh, possibly. Maybe in a few years, I will give it another viewing. And if not the whole thing, I would at least like to see episode three one more time. Here are a few things that stood out to me as I watched it. Their performance on the rooftop was the biggest highlight. Just seeing the Beatles in one complete unit playing music live? Fan-frickin-tastic. And this was their last live show, according to this documentary. Too bad it happened on a roof where no one could see them unless you had some kind of access. Another cool thing, watching them jam to all these classic songs in the studio. Some of them were theirs, and some of them were from iconic artists spread throughout the history of music. And it was cool seeing some of these songs that I've heard throughout the years being played by the Beatles. Another cool thing, watching Let It Be get created. Seeing Paul find the first chords of Get Back. Those are priceless moments. Watching Paul McCartney strumming on that bass guitar and you just hear those little chords and you know that's the song Get Back. Oh, that was so amazing to see. I thought it was fun hearing them talk about Elvis's birthday in the present tense. The King was alive and well during this documentary. And I have a little something cooked up for this podcast 
constant listener, concerning Elvis and the Pirate King. Stay tuned for that. I also didn't realize John Lennon had such a sense of humor. I always thought he was the more serious one of the group. George Harrison actually was the most serious of all of them. Paul was truly the ringleader. Had no idea he had such a command of this band, but from what I've heard, he might have had a command of the band because he was the one really still trying to keep the Beatles together while everybody else was starting to fall away. I've kind of heard that before, so maybe that's why it stood out so much that Paul was the ringleader throughout this documentary. And Ringo, he stayed quiet, he played his part, and he was always there when they needed him. He didn't say much at all throughout the whole documentary, but when they started up a song, he was on it every single time he showed up. And I don't know why Yoko had to be there all the time. She really seemed to be out of place. And her screeching out a couple of songs made my ears bleed. I also thought the police trying to break up the rooftop concert was hilarious. They were trying so hard to do their job without being bad guys about it. To the point of saying, can I do this? Can they please turn it down? Do you mind if I go to the roof? Things like that. Those are just a few of my thoughts. If you've seen this documentary and want to share your thoughts, send me an email and I will share them on the show. The last thing I want to dive into is the music. I knew the big songs from the album, Most of Us Do, Let It Be, The Long and Winding Road, Across the Universe, and Get Back, which is one of the greatest rock songs of all time. And seeing them perform Get Back in this documentary, holy cow, it was amazing. I love watching John Lennon just tapping out that little beat on the guitar before he started strumming those chords. So cool to see. But I'm not going to play those songs. I picked out two songs that stood out to me from the documentary that I didn't know. So I'm going to play those two songs. But before I do, I should let you know I pulled these songs from the original release of the Beatles album, Let It Be. Apparently, there is a version of this album out there called Let It Be Dash Naked, which is also a fabulous album to listen to. And doing a bit of research about why there are two different versions, what I understand is that Phil Spector, the album's original producer, didn't capture the raw, stripped-down aesthetic of the album, according to Paul. So Paul put together another album called Let It Be Naked, sometime around 2003. The tracks on Naked are rearranged, and two songs have been omitted, Maggie May and Dig It, while adding the song Don't Let Me Down. That's kind of the gist of it, and if you want to learn more, you should dive into it whenever you can. And I don't know the way people see it, naked version or not, but I have to say I enjoy both albums. But the naked version is incredible. The rawness and the way these songs sound stripped down are powerful. Let's go ahead and dive into song one. I've got a feeling. I love how Paul sounds on this song. So much energy. So much passion. I've got a feeling, a feeling deep inside. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. I've got a feeling, a feeling I 
Song two, one after nine oh nine. Love this song. So groovy and catchy. It kind of shows you, even as the Beatles neared their end, they could still harmonize and crank out some killer tunes. And I thought I should at least mention Abbey Road, since some of the songs on that album appear in this documentary. Ringo is shown working on Octopus's Garden. Maxwell's Silver Hammer is in that dock as well along with She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. And I think Paul is tinkering with the song Oh Darling, the song that will close the episode. Something might also have had a few moments on that documentary as well. So that's why I had to at least mention Abbey Road. A great album, arguably one of their best, with many iconic and fabulous songs. Do yourself a favor and listen to it once you finish the episode. Or do like I did. Turn on Let It Be, give it a good solid listen, and then move on over to Abbey Road. Time well spent. Rest in peace, John. Rest in peace, George. And thank you, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, for all the amazing music you've given to us throughout the years. Let me drop anchor here and close out the episode. You can hear my voice talking about music on the Audible Ecstasy podcast and talking about horror on the Nightlight Tales podcast. And I will continue my reading of The Tale of the Golden Pirate after Paul finishes singing. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, pick five songs and two albums by Jimmy that you would like to take to a desert island and tell me why you picked them. Send the answers to this email address and I'll read them on the show. Songlinesandtandlines at gmail.com Or if you know how to record yourself and can send that recording in an email, you can do it that way too. And one last thing, I promise. If you want a deeper dive into this documentary, Get Back, 
Talk is Jericho has an amazing episode all about it. Highly recommend that episode. I learned so much just listening to it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers and aloha. Short and sweet this week, just enough to keep the story flowing. And you can find this story on Amazon in ebook or paperback. Let's get into it. He walked away from the calendar and into the living room. He turned on the one song that always got him out the door when he didn't want to go. The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner by Iron Maiden. Parsons stood there a moment and let the music build. And then it was blasting off. Bruce Dickinson roared through the vocals, Steve Harris thumping the bass like his life depended on it, Adrian Smith and Dave Murray blasting out the twin guitar power, and Nico McBrain handling the thundering drums. How could you not get pumped to run while listening to this kind of song? Parsons started to feel good about his three miles just as the wind shook the house again. This time it not only tore at the walls and ceiling, but it managed to rattle the place on its foundation. That wind didn't want him outside, and it didn't want him to keep running. <laughs>